It's my privilege to fill in for Pastor Christopher while he's gone. You saw he <clears throat> mentioned on the announcements a little earlier uh, while he's gone to a CBF meeting. And I have the privilege of sharing with you today because of that. Thank you, choir. That was a, well, they didn't gone now, but they, uh, <laughs> that was a blessing to me. Uh, and I, and I'll share with you a little bit later maybe why that is. Probably more than it would have been on a normal day. Uh, thank you for those of you that have joined us by live stream. We're glad you're here. And a special thanks to all of you that are here this morning. You braved the cold. You made it. And we're here. I was thinking one of the advantages of being <clears throat> in the pastorate a long time, you've got a lot of stories, you know. And I was thinking, what in the world happened on a cold day that would be interesting. So I just, and it popped in my mind, one night we were going to have a baptismal service. And I don't remember what time it was, but uh, it was this, it was a cold time of the year, okay? <clears throat> and we had a baptismal pool, not like this nice baptismal pool back here, but one that was uh, sort of fiberglass and had one of those things like you're sticking coffee to make a cup of coffee. You remember you used to put the thing in there and plug it in and it warmed the water? Well, we had a big one of those. If you put in a baptismal pool, it would warm the water. The only thing about it was that baptismal pool had a leak in it. You could put water in it and it would leak out pretty quick. And so we had this young guy who was going to be baptized that night. He, he was, I don't know, probably that high or so. And I, I was try, it, the water was leaking out and coming back in. And it was kind of chilly that afternoon. I thought, man, this is maybe cold, chilly tonight. So I was preparing him. I said, now, son, you know when you go swimming in the summer, it's warm outside. But when you get in the water, it feels cold, first of all, right? It's a, so it may be like that tonight. So I walked down in that water, and it was somewhere between chilly and just outright cold. And of course, I got in about this deep, and the young man came in, and he got in about this deep, and just out loud that everybody could hear, nobody missed it. He said, Lord, preacher, this water don't just seem cold, it is cold. <laughs> well, you know, we had the baptismal service. He survived, never got uh, hurt, as far as I know, uh, because of that. And the Lord has blessed him well. Our, <clears throat> our lectionary scriptures today come from Luke and Jonah. And they're about God's call to the, the disciples we, that we read here on the screen. Mark, and Mark 1, 14 through 20, his account. And then the story about Jonah. Both of these scriptures are no doubt familiar to you, very familiar to you. But the idea of God calling and their response is what we want to think about today. We'll briefly look at those scriptures, because you know them, and we'll not spend a lot of time going over them, but we'll then think about how does that apply to us? So what? So what God called them? How does that affect us uh, today? In, in the call to the disciples, God gave a call for them to get a new vocation. Called these fishermen, and they were fishermen, and then all of a sudden they had a different vocation. In the call that Jonah 
to, to Jonah, it was a specific, specific call to do uh, something specific, not, not something uh, great, but just some, some, something he, he was to do. Uh, and sometimes God, uh, sometimes we respond immediately as the disciples did, according to Mark's account here, or at once or quickly. And sometimes it takes two, three, four, a lot of time God nudges before we respond. Now, which ones are we like? Well, the truth about the matter is we're kind of probably a little bit like both of those. Sometimes we respond quickly, and sometimes it takes some nudging. Let's review the Mark uh, scripture that we had up on here. This point in Jesus' life, he's beginning to get his disciples together. He's calling them. He's starting his ministry. And he's going to, uh, uh, to call people to help him with that. Now, Mark's, to understand this word, you've got to understand Mark's gospel. Mark's the shortest gospel of all. You're, you're aware of that. And it's for those with shortest, short attention spans. It's light on details. Doesn't have much detail, but it's got a lot of action. It just goes from one event to the next, to the next, to the next. Doesn't put in many details in there. <clears throat> so Mark jumps right in to Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River, and the first thing he talks about a little bit is John the Baptist baptizing. If you go back and read Mark 1, 7, and 8, it says this. Mark, John the Baptist said, Someone's coming after me who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of the sandals. I will baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Spirit. You know that, uh, that, that, that verse well. And then one, one verse later, Mark has Jesus baptized, I mean, uh, Jesus, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. And then he just whips on through that gospel. Let me read you what somebody said. This is kind of like what, what Mark summarizes. He said, Luke, uh, by the way, we know there were a lot of other details that Mark left out from Luke's gospel and from Matthew's gospel. <clears throat> but Luke's gospel says all these things happened before Jesus called his disciples. Uh, the birth of Jesus and John, we just came through Christmas, but that's in the first one, chapters two. Jesus presented at the temple, chapter two, verse 22. The boy Jesus at the temple. Jesus' baptism and his genealogies in chapter 3. Jesus was tempted. That story happened. Jesus was rejected at Nazareth, chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Jesus drives out an impure spirit. He heals a lot of people. And he before he calls his disciples. Now, in Mark's gospel, it looks like he just was walking along one day, bebopping along, and said, hey, guys, come on, follow me. And they did. They said, okay. We, we, we will do it. But lots of stuff happened in, in there. And it, it, Jesus begins his ministry in a strange way. He goes out and calls some people to be his disciples and to be with him and to spread his message, which was to be repent and be baptized. And he said, repent and believe the good news. Now, Jesus went out and chose people, that was not the norm of the day. It's not the norm of the day. A kid graduates from high school, what do they do? They don't say, I'm looking for the president of the Duke University or UNC Chapel Hill, come over and, and say, hey, you, come on, come on, follow me. 
No, they apply. And, and back in Jesus' day, normally they went to a rabbi and said, Sir, can I study with you and learn all that I need to know? And he would either say yes or no. But Jesus went out and chose these disciples. Uh, just a little bit different way of doing it. But they had, they had to learn a lot. Jesus was a rabbi, you know. There was no program that you could study for that day to become a rabbi. You couldn't get a PhD in rabbiism or whatever you would want to call it. Um, but, in, 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 but Jesus went out and, and, and uh, called them. He sounded like a rabbi. The scripture, he knew the scriptures incredibly well. And he taught with authority. And so nobody questioned that he was a rabbi. Nobody. You won't find in the New Testament where he said, was that man really a rabbi? Well, they, they might have doubted him in some places. But Mark sounds like Jesus just, his, his gospel sounds like Jesus was just going out and said, okay, fellas, come. They were sitting on a, sitting on a fishing boat saying, good night. There's got to be something better to do than this fishing business. And if anybody comes along and offers me a job, I'm going to take it. Well, that's that not really uh, what happened, but it kind of looks like it. Because when, when Mark's story says uh, they responded immediately, at once, uh, quickly, you get the idea. There was no time in Mark's story there between the time Jesus called and the time that they responded. Now, Jonah's story is a little bit different. You've got to be sure you don't miss the main part of Jonah's story. Uh, and it's about God. It's not about Jonah. It's not about a big fish. It talks about a great fish. But it, the point is that God forgives the worst of sinners when they repent, even those wicked Assyrians who were like terrorists. God forgave them. We must be careful not to let the discussion about big fish, literally or folklore, cause us to miss the message that's there. Because it could be folklore. Uh, you know, it's a mighty big fish to swallow a person, you got to admit. Uh, but Jonah's story begins in northern Israel. It continues as he gets an Uber ride with a fish about, out in the Mediterranean Sea. And then he, when the fish spits him back out, if you take it literally, he has to walk a thousand miles in order to get to the Assyrian uh, Empire. Well, in order to get to Nineveh. Nineveh's ruins are today the modern-day city of Mosul. You might say in Iraq. That may not mean anything to you, but if you were a Marine in the Iraqi war, you would know where that is. Some of the most fierce fighting in the Iraqi war took place uh, in, in and around that area. Um, there's some strange things about the book of Jonah, other than the big fish. That's a strange thing. But for one thing, Jonah only made one prophecy, and it didn't come true. He said he had an eight-word sermon. I bet some of you'd love that, wouldn't you? Eight-word sermon. It was this. It was 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Eight words. Went through the city preaching that word. Not, not a nice message, but that was what he was uh, 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 supposed uh, to do, and, and he did on the second, second go-round. You know the story well. He didn't do it. He did not do that uh, at first. But of all, there are 16 books in the Bible that are named after a prophet. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, 
Daniel, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk, those guys. But none of them rebel against God except Jonah. Not a single one of them. You know that? If God said do something, they were God's spokesmen. They, they went and did it. They just, they just went and did it. Um, but Jonah rebels against God two times. Two times. First time, you know, God said, go do this. And you know the story. He didn't do that. He went and did something. He went the opposite direction. And then uh, he, after he delivered the, the message, uh, he, after he got God, that meant God really meant to do it. He got the message and went and did that. And then uh, uh, he sat down. And when the people actually repented, what did he do? He, he should have said, man, that's a great. Thank you, God. For letting these people, 120,000 people repent. That's a good, good, good amount. But he doesn't. He goes out and sits under a tree and pouts. Why would, it, why would he pout? Because back in those days, if you, want to be, if you want to be a prophet, you know what the test was? The test was if it came true, you could be a prophet. If, you, if it, it didn't come true, you were not. You were a prophet, but you were not a real prophet. And so, here Jonah had done what he thought he was supposed to do, and, but it didn't come true. And so people are going to say, he wasn't a real prophet. You can always measure uh, a, a real prophet. Somebody wrote that everybody in Jonah's story was on board with God except Jonah. They put it this way. In the book of Jonah, everybody is on board with God except Jonah the prophet. The wind and the sea obey him, churning up a storm to rock Jonah's boat. The sailors agree to throw him overboard. A gigantic fish swallows him up and spits him out. The pagan king, one of the world's cruelest empires, obeyed. Ordering his people to repent, and the strange thing about it is they did repent. And they obeyed, asking God's forgiveness. Everyone was on board with God, except God's prophet. That's kind of sad, isn't it? That, 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 that's kind of sad. Jonah's story teaches us about the fact that God has compassion and mercy despite the wickedness of those people. God had compassion and mercy. And Jonah's repentance after being swallowed by the fish shows us that they're never too late to turn back to God, no matter how far we strayed from the path. We can always come back to him. Well, you know these stories very well. The question is, so what? You know, so what? How does that affect us today? Hold on, I want you to tell you just a few things and we won't be here too long. I still believe God speaks to people today, just like he did in the Old Testament and New Testament, okay? So we, we start with that. And some believers are called to change their uh, vocation, like Pastor Christopher and others. But most of us just receive a call from God, and God continues to call, and we do, look, I, I won't say little things, but we do specific things in the everyday life. Now, I don't have any doubt, I've gotten to know several of you folks here, I don't have any doubt that if Jesus came along Chapel Hill Road next Sunday, I don't know why it'd have to come on Sunday, but, you know, it'd come on Sunday. And he's told you 
You meaning individual you. Listen, I got something for you to do. I want you to go over and speak to somebody who is your enemy. I have a feeling you'd do it. You'd say, Jesus, you sure about that? You know, you'd be a little hesitant. But if you knew it was Jesus, I believe you would do it. I, I, I think many of you would. I wouldn't go so far as to say everybody here this morning would. You, you, just, you just would. But the problem is, Jesus doesn't walk the earth anymore, does he? Like he did then. He doesn't walk the earth and say, okay, now you fishermen, I got a different job for you. Come along, follow me. But, but today we, we still, we have God the Holy Spirit with us. We can't see it, but God the Holy Spirit is, is with us. And I want to share with you some three simple ways that I think God speaks to us today. Now these aren't new, or they aren't necessarily uh, razzle-dazzle anything, but, but God may, may not speak in the new and the razzle-dazzle means. And I just want to share these, these briefly with you. I think God speaks to us today uh, through private ways. And that involves reading Bible, doing devotions, praying individually. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything we need to live the Christian life is in the Bible already. God will reveal that to you as you meditate what you need. We don't, you know, we can't take it obviously in. But God will speak to us as we meditate on that. And everything we need there is, is there. So God speaks to us in private times through prayer, Bible study, and lots of other ways. That's one way. Another way is, and it may help us to do that, is through public worship. Uh, through prayer, scripture reading, music, sermons, all the worship elements. That's why it's important to worship. You're much more likely to do the private stuff if you do in worship and get encouraged. The choir is often a blessing to me. And that song spoke wonders to me today, choir folks, because most, many of you know I lost my brother this week, and I helped with a funeral yesterday. Was it hard? Yes, it was hard. But he had been suffering 10 years, and when you've been suffering that long, you know, it's a blessing. And when you talked about heaven, you know, he was a, a godly man, and he believed in that. And so, the, the, I said that to say, the choir is a blessing many times. Music is a blessing, and you, you folks are know that. Uh, you, it's important you come to worship because you never know when God will speak to you through a prayer. Mackenzie's prayers, beautiful prayers she does. Through a scripture, through uh, music, through these gifted musicians and, and preachers and teachers we have and others. It's a, it's a public way. God can speak privately to you and speak publicly. But the reality is God can speak any way he wants to through whomever, whatever he wants to. And, and, and I'm going to share with you some things. There are lots of other ways God speaks, and you could list some, but I'll just give you three. Through creation. How many times have you seen a sun, sunset and said, oh, man, that is amazing. That reminds me of God. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech and night after night, they reveal knowledge. God speaks through creation, sunsets, flowers, mountains, sea, whatever, in lots of different ways. God also speaks through difficulties. Psalmist said in Psalm 119, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've obeyed your word. You're good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. I always found it was easier to talk to people about spiritual things if they had an issue, medical issue, personal issue, something they could, was unsettled about how the future was going to be. And we are all like that, really. You want to know the truth about it? We're all like that, aren't we? So God can speak through creation, difficulties, and, and God speaks sometimes through other people. I'll tell you a story about when we were in seminary. I went to New Orleans Seminary, and Glenda did too. And first year we were down there, I went to, I was called to be a youth pastor at this church for the summer, 12 weeks. And it was to be over. It was contracted, like start June, June the 1st and over end of August. Well, <clears throat> we stayed our, stayed our 12 weeks, had a good ministry. They seemed to enjoy us, and we seemed to enjoy them. And the last Sunday there, Glenda was listening to the sermon, and when we left, she said, we're not done here. And I said, well, I mean, 12 weeks was over. That's what we, that's what we contracted to do, and that's what we, what we did. But the end, she said, well, we're coming back. And uh, I don't know if she said God spoke to her or not, but I thought, well, God didn't speak to me. He, he should have said something to me about that, you know, too. But the very next week, very next week, we started our classes back at the seminary. The assistant pastor came, knocked on our door, and said, I've decided to take a church. I'm going to be senior pastor at this church, and they need for you to come back. They need for you to come back up there. I said, well, you know, when would, when would they want me? Thought it might be, you know, two or three months. Baptists aren't exactly the fastest people in the world <laughs> doing something. Uh, but he said, well, next week. Uh, okay. And we did. We did. So I learned to speak, listen to Glenda most of the time uh, uh, through that, that illustration and stuff. Can anything keep us from hearing God? Yeah. Simple answer is yes. Uh, wrong attitudes, resentment, unconfessed sin can create uh, distance between us and God. And we have to do like Jonah. We have to confess and repent. And then we are in, back in relationship. I had a, a man down at my church, first church, and I, I, I learned not to call people's total names. His name was Theodore. He might be some of you's uncle, the reason I don't do that, that, that sort of stuff. But he was a godly man. And we had this cantankerous church member, and we were having difficulty. We just had one in that church. Thank goodness that's all we had. Uh, but somebody asked him one day, he said, you know, uh, what's the purpose of this member? And he said, well, I don't really know. I don't, I'm not sure. He said, but I asked an evangelist one time that, what was the purpose of a, a cantankerous person? And he said, well, it's just to give you an example of what not to do. Now, Jonah was an example of what not to do. Really, his unrepentant stage is a place for him, what not to do. I don't know what you do for devotion, but I used that little uh, book.
book that the church gives out here and I've given out for years called Our, Our Daily Bread. It's part of my devotion. There was a story on January, uh, February, uh, February 28th last year by a man named uh, James Banks. And he shared two stories about God speaking. Uh, and the first one said, he told about uh, Jack, who knew how to put trains on the right tra track. He was, a, he was in South Africa, and he was at a little remote station, and he had to switch the tracks to make sure that the train was going on the right track when it got to his station. It was before huge communications, and the only way he could know would listen to the whistle as it came, and that would tell him which way the train was going. So in nine years, uh, Jack never made an incorrect track switch uh, as locomotives drew near his South African station, indicating only by their whistle which direction they were supposed to leave. Never once had a, a train to collide. Now that's amazing, isn't it? But the amazing thing was Jack was a baboon. He, had, the, the man that had the station there was a fellow by the name of James Wilde. He had lost both legs in a train accident. He'd gotten squashed and lost his legs. And he'd gotten uh, Jack to be a, a sort of a, a helper, a PTSD kind of assistant. And, and he had helped him and he had trained him how to figure out which train needed to go. Now he always checked behind Jack, but he didn't make a mistake in that that, uh, that time. The other uh, animal I want to tell you about and story he told, there's some weird stories in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament, do you? There's a story about a guy named Balaam and a, donk a donkey talked to him. You remember that story? There's a story in there, Numbers 22 through 24. When you get home, read it. I don't have time to read it now. We would not take time to read that. But Balaam was a pagan prophet. Actually, he was a good prophet at times, and then he went astray. But basically, it involved the uh, country of Moab and Israel. And uh, it got a new king in Moab, and he sent for Balaam to come and, uh, and, and pronounce a curse on the, the town, or as I said, the, the, the country. And that he said, well, I need to check with God first before I do that. And when he checked with God, God said, don't you go down there. So he didn't. Well, the king sent another uh, entourage up to ask him again and offered him a lot of money. And he took it. He decided to go. Well, he decided not to go, but God said, you go. You don't tell them nothing except what I told you. And he said, okay, I'll do it. I won't tell you all the story, but on the way down, they were, they were going down from, from Israel down to Moab, which would be you know, east of Israel in, in, in modern day. Uh, and the donkey came to this place and he would not go any further. And he got off the road and, and Balaam beat him. And he got back on the road and they went a little further and the, the, the donkey got off the road again. And Balaam beat him again with a whip. That happened the third time. The third time, the donkey turned around and talked to him and said, why are you beating me? Don't you see what's down there? And, he, and he, he didn't see it. But guess what? There was an angel in the road down there. 
And it was telling Balaam, you can't go down there. You will be killed. Many of your countrymen will be killed. And he didn't go. Well, I guess he did go, but I'm not going to tell you all that story. Uh, my point is, a railway baboon, a talking donkey, a big fish, how about me? How about you? How about you? If God can use these amazing animals for a good purpose, it's not far-fetched for me to believe that he can use you and me as well. I believe he has, and I believe he can, and, and he will. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Lord, we want to serve you. Use whatever or whomever you choose to speak to us. Looking to you and for strength and courage, we know we can accomplish far more than we ever thought possible. Amen.